0: Hello and welcome to Fibber McGee and Molly from OTRGold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors.
1: The Fibber McGee and Molly Show. and Carter's Little Liver Pills, presents present Fibber, McGee, and Molly Transcribed. The show is written by Phil Leslie and Ralph Goodman and directed by Max Hutton. We'll join Fibber and Molly in just a moment.
0: This is Esther Williams. You know, the first time I tried to swim, I was really frightened, but that was to be expected. Many things do frighten us until we learn about them, And then knowledge helps us turn fear into positive action. That's true about many things. And it's particularly true about cancer. Without mercy, cancer strikes by 1960 and children everywhere. But something can be done, and all of us can help. We must be certain the American Cancer Society continues its programs of research, education, and service. This priceless work has already saved thousands of American lives, and it can save countless more if we do our part. So, please, give generously now to your unit of the American Cancer Society. Mail your contribution to Cancer, care of your local post office. That's Cancer, care of your local post office.
2: No, no, I'm innocent. You can't hang me. I'm innocent you hear.
3: McGee, uh, McGee, wake up.
2: Get your hand off me, copper. You can't hang me for something I didn't do. Molly, don't let him get me.
3: I won't, I won't. Wake up, McGee, wake up.
2: (sighs) What's the matter? What's the matter, kiddo? You
3: were having a nightmare, yelling at the top of your lungs. Me,
2: I was? Yes,
3: I'm innocent, you said. Take your hands off of me, copper.
2: Oh, yeah. That was the same nightmare I had last night. They got me again for taking that button from police headquarters. That clue in the robbery. They hauled me off to the electric chair and started to strap me in. But it wouldn't work. The spark coil was broken. Good. Then stupid me, guess what I did? What? I offered to fix it for him.
3: My goodness. You don't have nightmares often, but when you do, they're dillies. That
2: wasn't all. Just as I got my toolbox out, Doc Gamble came in. You can't electrocute this man warden, he says.
3: Good for him. Yeah,
2: he says, I've examined this prisoner. He's A.C. and the chair is D.C. (laughs) That's when they decided to hang me
3: after a joke like that, they should have hung Dr. Gamble. It's
2: kind of funny now that you think of it, but it sure wasn't funny while I was dreaming it.
3: No.
2: I guess I'll get up. Can't go back to sleep anyhow. What time is it? Well,
3: let me see.
2: Half past six? I'll get dressed and go downstairs.
3: Well, I'll get up then
2: and... No, no, no. You go back to sleep. I'm just going to go out for a walk. I'll buy a newspaper and see if there's anything new on the robbery. You go back to sleep. I've caused you enough trouble.
3: Oh, don't feel that way. This thing wasn't your fault. Well, if I hadn't
2: walked in my sleep the night of the robbery, this whole mess wouldn't have happened. If I got another shirt. I'd rather not wear this one with the stripes.
3: Look in the top bureau drawer. If you'd just go tell the chief of police how it
2: happened. Chief? Old
3: Ramrod Malone? Yeah.
2: Him. Ah, that automatic crime detector's got a heart like a BB. The only thing he understands is a guilty plea. I don't know how that wife of his stands him. Where's my brown sweater? You know, my sweater? You just put it on. Oh. Well, I'll take a walk downtown. You go back to sleep.
3: See, uh, do you still have that other button? The one from the police station? Yeah,
2: it's in the desk drawer downstairs. Why?
3: Nothing. I I just wondered.
2: I should mail it back to him, I guess. But I don't know what to do. Oh, well, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll figure out something. I'll be home in an hour or so. As soon as I think things out a little. Think.
3: Be careful, dearie. Poor lad. Men can get into the darndest messes, and if it weren't for us women to get them out of it. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'll just take that button over, tell the whole truth about it, silly as it sounds, and, well, at least it can't do any harm. I look all right. I dressed in such a hurry, but this early in the morning, nobody looks very good,
4: Yes? Oh, Mrs. McGee, what a pleasant surprise.
3: Hello, Mrs. Malone. May I come in? I'd like to talk to you about something.
4: Why, yes, do. Oh, dear, the house is a mess, and I I haven't had time to do anything to my hair. Ramrod just left. Uh, My husband just left for work a few minutes ago, and... Well,
3: this is a terrible hour to come calling, It's awfully important, or I wouldn't have bothered you so early. Let
4: me have your hat and coat. Come on out to the kitchen. Let's have a cup of tea. Whatever it is, I'm sure it can wait till we have a cup of tea.
1: Back to Whistler Vista in a minute. Here's a dramatized scene in your doctor's office. You're in perfect health, but there's no need for you to take laxatives three and four times a week. No need, doctor? None. Five New York doctors now have proved you can break the laxative habit and regain that wonderful feeling that goes with natural regularity. 83% of the cases tested did it. So can you. I'd love to, doctor. But how? Stop taking whatever you take now. Instead, every night for one week, take two Carter's Little Liver pills. Second week, one each night. Third week, one every other night. Then, nothing. Every day, drink plenty of liquids. Put yourself on schedule.
0: But how can Carter's help break the laxative habit, doctor?
1: Because Carter's Little Liver Pills not only relieve irregularity, they also improve the flow of liver bile that is needed for natural regularity. When worry, overeating, overwork make you irregular temporarily, take Carter's temporarily and don't get the laxative habit. Get Carter's Little Liver Pills, only 43 cents. Break your laxative habit. Restore your natural powers of regularity. (laughs)
4: There's nothing like a cup of tea. Cream or lemon, my dear?
3: Lemon will be fine, thanks.
4: Oh, I was hoping you'd say that. I'm all out of cream. (laughs) Actually, I'd have had to give you milk, and if you're an old tea drinker like I am, you'd never speak to me again. Here's the sugar. Thank you. You know, I never did tell you how much I enjoyed your women's club luncheon last month, Mrs. McGee. Oh, we had so much fun. I've been meaning to phone you, but... Oh,
3: you didn't need to at all. Oh, and say the election of officers comes up next month, you know, at Mrs. Bradley's house.
4: Yes, and I'll be there, but not to vote for Mrs. Bradley. She's a little too hoity-toity for me. That's exactly the word. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, when she gets up in a meeting and says, <laughs> My dear fellow
3: members. <laughs> <love> <laughs> oh, dear.
4: Um, now, I know you didn't come over here at 7.30 in the morning to talk about Mrs. Bradley.
3: No, I've got a problem, a dandy. First of all, please don't ever let my husband know I was over here.
4: Of course not. Go ahead.
3: Well, you're just the only person I could come to, Mrs. Malone, because you're married to the chief of police.
4: Goodness, you didn't make a U-turn and back into Kramer's drugstore like you did last year. No, and
3: I wasn't the one who did that. That was my husband.
4: Oh, I remember. So that's what it is. Mr. McGee's in some kind of trouble.
3: Honestly, Mrs. Malone, it isn't his fault. I don't know how these things happen, but... Well, you see, it all started last week when McGee ate that plum butter and rhubarb sandwich. That what? Plum butter and rhubarb. He used to eat it as a child.
4: Oh, my. And
3: every time he eats the stuff, he walks in his sleep. And that's when this whole mess started. McGee walked in his sleep that night.
4: He walks in his sleep? Yes. You mean Mr. McGee does that, too? Too? <laughs> you
3: don't mean ramrod. I mean, see, Oh, good time.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Only with him, it's peanut butter and pickle, Lily.
3: Heavenly day.
4: <laughs> I always know when he's had one of those sandwiches. <laughs> Just before he turns out the light, he says, Millie, help me handcuff my foot to the bed. <laughs> Why eat the stuff, I say. I like it, he says. Oh, he's so stubborn. But go on, dear. I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, what happened the night Mr. McGee walked in sleep?
3: Well, that same night there was a robbery in the neighborhood, and McGee was afraid he might have done it. Now the police department has mailed McGee's button to the crime lab in Chicago to have it analyzed.
4: Oh, that button. You think that thing's caused you trouble? What do you mean? That's all I've heard around here since this case started. Button, button, who's got the button? Really? I tell you, it's driving Ramrod crazy, and me too. What happened to that button he keeps yelping? I don't understand. Didn't
3: the police put the button in an envelope last Friday? They did. Sure they did.
4: Then the chief of police, Mr. Ramrod Malone, steal the envelope, addressed it to the Chicago Crime Laboratory, and forgot where he put it. You you mean he didn't mail the letter? Mail it? He can't even find it. No. Oh, this happens all the time. I... My big crime-solver can't find his own hat in the morning. <laughs> oh, I wish I had a nickel for every time I've run out to the garage after him to hand him his revolver. <laughs> Honestly, I love in to panic. Uh-oh. And to think all this time poor McGee and I were
3: so worried about that overcoat button. I
4: turned this house upside down and I can't find that darned envelope. I've looked everywhere except... Wait a minute. Oh, for goodness sake! Here it is. Where was it? In his extra holster, his Sunday holster. I just remembered he's always hiding things in there. That's where he keeps his winnings when he plays poker with the boys. Did you bring that other button with you? The one Mister McGee took from headquarters. Yes, I
3: have it right here. You
4: just dump it out on the table there while I turn the fire up on that tea kettle again. Tea kettle? Oh, you learn a lot about crime when you've been married to a policeman as long as I have, honey. Ah, we'll steam this envelope open, put the right button in it, seal it up again, and you can take Mr. McGee's button home to him.
3: Oh, <laughs> oh bless your heart. I can't tell you how much I think. Oh, I've my been.
4: goodness. If the wrong button got to the crime lab, it'd be just as embarrassing to Ramrod as it would to Mr. McGee. <laughs> so you see, I'm looking after my little schnook, too. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Aren't you clever? Oh, I'm so happy to hey, get Get a
4: thing. pair of rubber gloves out of that drawer. Oh, we'll do a job on this like a couple of pros. McGee?
3: McGee, I'm home, and look what I've got.
2: Gee whiz, kiddo, where have you been? I've been back over an hour. Oh, I've
3: got some wonderful news for you. It's right here in my... Me too.
2: That's why I hurried back. Have you seen the morning paper? The morning paper? Right here on the front page. The McDonald burglary is solved. There wasn't any. There what? Mrs. McDonald phoned the cops this morning. She never had those jewels in that jewel box in the first place. She keeps them under the rug. It was old man McDonald who started the fuss. If she hadn't been out of town, when he found her coat button on the floor and thought of Bert... uh, uh, What's the matter, kiddo? Oh, nothing.
3: Nothing. Trevor
1: and Molly will be right back.
5: This is Eddie Cantor, and if I may, I'd like to take a moment here to remind you about my weekly show business show. Every Thursday evening on most of the same NBC radio stations, I open my memory book and take a look into the world of show people. Not only do I talk about the great and wonderful old-timers in show business, I also tell you the intimate stories that surround the stars of today, and you'll hear some of their famous recordings, too. Recordings from the early 1900s and recordings from this very year. For old and new alike combined to make show business your business. And so i like to tell you about their lives, and I do, during my weekly show business show. Won't you listen every week on the NBC radio network? This is Eddie Cantor reminding you and hoping you'll be in the audience. <laughs>
2: Boy, oh, boy, am I glad to feel free again. I'm glad this mess is all over.
3: Oh, so am I. Mrs. Malone was just wonderful about it. And guess what? Yeah? The chief of police is a sleepwalker, too. No kidding. <laughs> he says it happens every time he eats his favorite sandwich peanut butter and pickle lily.
2: Peanut butter and pickle lily? Mm hmm. Hey, that might be a pretty good combination. Have we got no. any? No. Oh, okay. Good night.
3: Good night, all. <laughs>
1: and Carter's Little Liverpills have brought you the Fibber, McGee, and Molly program transcribed with Elvia Allman as Mrs. Malone. This is John Wald inviting you to be with us again tomorrow night for another visit with your friends Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Here's Jim Fleming with the heart of the news tonight on the NBC radio network.